HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Diageo Bar Academy. Learn more at diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil the rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you started. Welcome back to The Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolting. My name is Souther Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Greg, where you been, man? Everywhere, <laughs> man. <laughs> all, all over the place. It's been uh, a hell of a couple of weeks. I have gotten to see eight different cities uh, on my way out to scenic St. Paul, Minnesota, which is where I am right now. Uh, got my friend hitched on Sunday. And I am very ready to be back in Brooklyn and not leave for an extended period of time. Uh, amazing trip. I've gotten to see Philly, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Detroit, Chicago, and the Twin Cities. Um, all amazing places, all with fantastic bars and people and scenes and baseball stadiums. But it is, um, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine who very adamantly does not like road trips. And she was asking me how the trip was. And I said, oh man, it was great, but I was really excited to like, you know, be in a room with a door and not have to be like crammed in a studio Airbnb with like two to three other dudes. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, eat, eat vegetables that didn't come off the top of a pizza. And she was like, why do people like this? And I was like, look, here's the thing. When you go to the beach, you're always really sad on the last day because you're like, man, I could just hang out on the beach forever for the rest of my life. When you go on a road trip, they could be the funnest fucking road trip of your entire life. But by the time you get to the end of it, you're like, I am ready to be out of this car. Yeah. yeah by I the agree. time they're over, kind of ready for them to end. And that's the beautiful thing about them. Man, that sounds awesome, though. Are you, it, yeah. You know, it's like if you ever toured with a band, it's one of those <laughs> things. You're like kind of ready to get it over with, you know, halfway through. But I did the same thing. I, like when my twin brother got married a couple of years ago, we road tripped out to Santa Fe and it was just me and him. Um, but we stopped in Joshua Tree, Palm Springs, LA, Sedona, Gallup, New Mexico. Like we stopped all these places along the way and it was it was a blast. So I, I can relate to that kind of trip. Uh, how was the wedding? <laughs> <laughs> the the yeah, wedding, was, wedding 
Well, so this is like the fun thing about it is this is like a, a COVID wedding. So this is um, he and my other friend actually got married last year. They did a super small ceremony, only nine people. It was like me and the maid of honor were the only two like non-family members there. Wow. And uh, I've been jokingly referring to this as his second wedding, uh, which the bride finds funny intermittently. Um, but it was I was in charge of the beverage program for this. Uh, it's funny when you are the best man and you're good at making drinks and cutting audio, you somehow find yourself in charge of a lot of the music and the bar, which is a surprisingly <laughs> big chunk of what has to go on in a wedding. And we designed two cocktails that we we're going to do. We had a, a Mai Tai and a drink that I've been carrying around in my back pocket for a while. It's kind of a low ABV sherry buck. Uh, it's actually called the sham wedding because I invented it when I guest bartended a friend's bachelorette party a few years back. Um, and I did get permission to actually call it the sham wedding, which I thought was very cool of all the families involved. <laughs> but both of them involve fresh lime juice. And we were kind of figuring out how to do this because we needed like 400 cocktails. And I thought to myself, you know what? Let's, let's, just, let's just Tom Sawyer this, right? Let's turn this chore into something fun. We'll have all the groomsmen over like before the wedding, like as we're all getting ready, we'll like juice some limes. It'll be cool. Bought 15 pounds of these things. And afterwards we're like, wait, are we asking a bunch of guys to like squeeze limes in suits that we're going to go to a wedding yeah. in afterwards? We're like, whatever, it's fine. And we thought we'd, that would get us about 80% of the way there. And if we needed more, we could just run to the store or something. Uh, it was about 40%. We wound up using 40 pounds of limes, did an emergency Costco run, and we're just all like squeezing like dozens and dozens of limes an hour before we're supposed to be at the church, just like, you know, in suit pants and like tank tops underneath, just this like <laughs> just frantic operation. And we're all screaming at the groom like, dude, put your fucking tuxedo on. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. And I know he listens to the show, so... Cody, I, I'm, 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 I'm happy for you, man. And I'm glad that you made it to the church on time because that was one of like three jobs that I had for this wedding. So I'm <laughs> glad I didn't fuck it up. Nice job. Good job, Greg. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Way to go. I, tr I tried. <laughs> um, yeah, the wedding, the wedding was super fun, lovely. Um, had a huge Hmong feast uh, from a chef who's really well regarded here in the Twin Cities one of these like, you know, plates and silverware optional things where they just dump a whole bunch of food on banana leaves uh, on these big long tables and you just help yourselves. It was, I love that. It was, the, the whole the whole night was beautiful. I mean, I love um, that, but I kind of miss it. I feel like that kind of went away with COVID. Uh, surprisingly. It did. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the, well, I mean, we we were requiring vaccinations for everybody. It was a, sure. a vaccine-required wedding. Like if you, if you didn't get the shot, sorry, we'll see you next time, I guess. Um, the third wedding. Exactly. Oh, there have been there have been so many jokes about that. I'm like, I have a good feeling about next summer. Next summer, we're really gonna uh, th really that's, gonna, that's right. gonna be the best. Exactly. Third time's a charm. But um, <laughs> one of the last things I did before COVID hit was go to a sort of similar style meal at uh, Jeepney, a Filipino place in the East Village. Right. We talked and, about this. Yeah. Yeah. And and how I was thinking, like, man, not only was that like a super fun gathering of people in kind of a large unmasked space, but we're all just like eating and drinking with our hands and like eating off the same table, reaching over each other, this... getting right in each other's faces. Yeah, exactly. It's just like you know, fun shit. Of that kind of meal. And I feel like again, we've kind of lost that for the past nearly two years. Yeah, and I and I and I hadn't really realized it, but in my head, that was sort of like a little bit of a litmus test of like once we can feel safe enough doing that. That's like, then it'll be like, okay, now there's a certain, you know, 
uh, not, I don't want to say return to normalcy because we're not normal and we're not no. at this and we still have work to do, but at least it was uh, a touchstone of something like, okay, like we can return to this place if we are safe, if we make sure that everybody attending these events is safe, if we follow, you know, strict protocols. And if we, you know, keep our guard up, we can occasionally allow ourselves spaces where we can kind of kick back and have fun like that again. So that was nice. Yeah. Awesome. Very yeah. Um, well, enough, enough about me. Let's, let's yeah. bring in our guest for today, shall we? Uh, in the studio today with us, we have Tetsuro Miyazaki of yes. Ichiko Shochu joining us live from San Francisco. Tetsuro, thank you so much for, for joining us on West Coast time. Yeah. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Oh man, I'm, I'm so excited to have you in here because, um, a little while ago you and I met, there was a, a bartending competition at Katana Kitten in New York with mm-hmm. yeah. uh, a, a bunch of different bartenders making some really good kind of Olympics themed drinks. And I, I've been a big shochu fan for a while, but I hadn't really seen, been in a space where there were a bunch of bartenders that were really highlighting that the, the almost kind of like intensely umami savory notes that your spirit has. So I, yeah. I, I guess to kick us off for, for our listeners, can you take us through a little bit like what shochu is, how it's made and where those really kind of rich mushroomy savory flavors come from? Yeah, I'm, uh-huh. stoked, to, I'm stoked to have you here and, and hear what you have to say, because I think this is a, a, a category that I'm just woefully inept at. So I'm, ex- I'm excited to hear what's going on with shochu. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Shochu, uh, Yes, shochu is uh, Japan's original craft spirit that's distilled once and then made from grains and vegetables, uh, specifically barley, sweet potato, and rice, like pisco from Peru, uh, mezcal from Mexico, and then shochu from Japan. Shochu is uh, Japan's uh, local craft spirit. And then actually, shochu is much popular than sake and uh, Japanese whiskey in Japan. Right now, in the U.S., Japanese whiskey is now hot, but uh, in Japan, shochu is much popular than whiskey. And that's because culturally, shochu is drank uh, with meals, right? And you you sort of drink yes. it throughout the entire meal. It's not a it's not a, a aperitif. It's not a digestif. It's kind of all the way through. Is that correct? Uh-huh. Yes, that's correct. We usually drink shochu with meal, and then we usually drink shochu on the log or with water or with soda water. Almost, yeah. almost like a highball or just a splash? Yeah, like highball. Yeah. So true highball, it's called Chuhai in Japan. Yeah. Chuhai culture is very huge, huge market. Right. I've actually seen that there are lots of, uh, I mean, it's happening here in America too, RTDs, but there's lots of the mm-hmm. Chuhai canned sodas that you can buy already, right? Yes. A lot of uh, yeah, cans of Chuhai at convenience store you can find everywhere in Japan. And vending machines too, right? Oh yes, <laughs> yes, that's, right. That's the hurdle we got to overcome here in America. We got to get vending machines. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Seller, I don't know if you knew this or if either of you guys knew this, but my first job when I moved to New York City was running the bar at a little Japanese bar that was all sochu based. Um, this was like 15 years ago. It was in Hell's Kitchen. It was called Kyotofu, and it was just Japanese desserts and like cocktails and it was all shochu and the crazy thing about it was is like i was just starting to learn about this japanese cocktail culture in general but i fell in love with it because it's the cleanest spirit 
you'll ever have. I mean, I know that there's like some depth to it. The the fun thing about it is like when we talk about vodka in the United States, like people are like, there's it's so clean, so clean. But like to me, like the better vodkas, they're crisp and clean, but then they also have character to them, right? And that to me is shoju in a much kind of more magnified way. And there's some like that are made with, as you had mentioned, like sweet potato that become a little bit more savory. Um, and then when you think about like potato, like Polish and Russian potato vodka, and then think about this sweet potato shochu, there's, you can kind of draw like similarities to them. But then there's also some that are made with like white sesame that are freaking amazing. And like, if you make like a white Russian with the sesame shochu, it's like the best thing you'll ever taste in your life. So th like the category of, of this spirit alone is really insane. Also, like when you think about shochu, it's distilled once, right? And then, yes. you know, the proof level is usually between like 24 to 35. Right. It's this is how you, high proof. The, 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 yeah, this is how you can kind of like session it and enjoy it throughout the meal, right? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes. In Japan, general alcohol ABB for shochu is 20 or 25% ABB. And so, like, the crazy thing is we just recently started talking about low-proof cocktails and no-proof cocktails, but specifically lower-proof cocktails, you know, like aperitivo stuff. This has been the culture forever <laughs> in Japan. You know, they they were, like many things, way ahead of us on, on that drinking style. And it's, to me, it's, you just feel better when you drink shochu. I don't know. That's just me. Um, but in... in it is such a delicate spirit that you really get to play off the subtle nuances of it in a cocktail setting. I wish I could have been at the Katana Kitten event to try some of these cocktails that Greg was talking about. What were some of them, Greg? Oh, man. Well, there was one that, let's see, the, the one that really kind of stuck with me was one that had, um, gosh, now I'm trying to remember. Uh, so, so many bars, so many tasty drinks since then. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was uh, one that I believe had a miso liqueur in it that really nicely played off of those, like, you know, really elevated the the kind of umami notes off of the, uh, the stop me if I'm mispronouncing this, Tetsuro, but the seitan soshu. That, that, seitan, yeah. Yeah, it's the seitan. Mm -hmm. yeah that um, this particular bartender was using. Uh, yes. There were also a lot, you know, every bartender that was competing had to pick an Olympic event to base their uh, drink off of. And there was one garnish that was a little uh, lemon slice that had these sort of like half moon curves of pith in it so that it looked like a little tennis ball, which I thought was really lovely. <laughs> cool. um, but the thing that really struck me about the event was how many different directions these five competitors took the spirit in, you know, there was one that was like very tart and refreshing. There was one that was a little bit sweeter. There was a sort of, uh, you know, a, a stripped down highball. And there was one that really highlighted the kind of, I believe it was the volleyball one that kind of highlighted those savory notes. And I think it's really an interesting testament to the category, but also the way that it's made. And the thing that's always fascinated me about shochu is that it can be made from a whole bunch of different base spirits, which totally throws off like our conception of like how we class what spirits are, right? Like, you know, whiskey, grain, rum, sugar, brandy, fruit. But for shochu, it, it has a lot to do with the way it's fermented with the, the koji that gives it a lot of those, a lot of those flavors. Would you, could you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, I'm super mm-hmm. interested to know about Koji. Yes. Yeah, Koji is a, a most key, most important key ingredients, and then it's also umami rich enzyme. And then Koji has an enzyme uh, which can create umami for Japanese food, like miso, soy sauce, also sake. And then shochu also using koji for creating umami in a liquid. Right. And it's and it's it struck me that it's very is it's not the same organism that creates those notes in miso and so and soy sauce, or it, or is it? Oh, it's a, a several kind of koji uh, in Japan. There are uh, mainly three kinds: yellow koji, white koji, black koji, and the miso soy sauce. They are using yellow koji, but uh, for shochu, we are using white koji or black koji. That uh, that can create umami, also acidity, uh, to prevent uh, shochu uh, moromi mash. So that's the difference. That's awesome. I love I love this. This is like so cool. I like you know, like I said, I discovered Shochu like fifteen years ago, but there's still so much to learn about it, you know. Yeah, I got I'm a little bit confused still on, on Koji in general. It's a mold, right? So it's a mold yes. that grows on the rice or the or the barley or the whichever product you're choosing, or do you inoculate it? Uh how does it how does it get pitched into the product? Uh uh yes. Uh it's a mold and then it's grown grow on steamed rice, steamed rice or steamed barley. And then uh, we put it in a, uh, how can I say, in a fermentation process. And then that koji uh, make starch into sugar. And then yeast, yeast make, make sugar into alcohol. So yeah, koji works in a fermentation process to make starch into sugar. Right, so you're pitching it in before the yeast, and then the yeast comes in and eats that and yes. creates the alcohol. But because it's eating the sugar that was created by this mold, it takes on these very umami dense flavors, right? Yes, yes, that's correct. Yeah, super cool. How does a chef like you, Souther, yeah. <laughs> how do you feel about that? Like that extra step of the process? That's pretty cool, right? I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. You know, like I've had sochus before. I wish I had some right now so we could, so I could confirm it in my mind as we talk and taste but um <laughs> you know I, I uh um i've had them in the past and like to understand how that flavor is getting into the product makes all the difference on how you can then sort of like consider how to use the product right i'm curious and i know there's no answer to this uh tetsuro but uh you know it's so prevalent in japan and it is so common to the culture how come this hasn't broken out like like damon says he's been working with this stuff 15 years ago but it's still not so common here in the united states like you know i i can only name a couple of brands but i'm sure there are dozens and dozens right what yeah. do you think what do you think's the barrier for making it a little bit more common here in the united states in the united states yes uh yeah to introduce shochu culture in the united states was a a huge challenge to us. Actually, we, we've been exporting our shochu over 30 years into United States, but uh, in the past, we were focusing on only Japanese restaurants. But uh, in the United States, uh, there was uh, no culture to drink distilled spirits with meal. So, yeah, telling, uh, introducing culture is very hard. So we changed our strategy into more cocktail side, bar side, because distilled spirits, uh, shochu is a distilled spirit. So we thought, oh, shochu should be in a 
cocktail recipes, and also we developed our、uh, new product, Ichigo Saiten,、uh, which has 43% ABV, higher proof、uh, for mixology scene. So it was、uh, 2019, and then we changed our distributor, also uh, developed uh, our new product, also PR agency, everything、uh, to introduce shochu culture into the US. So, you did like a full radical overhaul of your entire company's approach. Different distributor,、yeah. different PR company, changing the ABV more than、yeah. doubling it to make it more quote unquote cocktail friendly to、yes. get the American's eye on your product.、Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, that's a pretty dr- drastic change. And you've been doing that since 2019. And how do you feel? What's the impact? Are you seeing more case sales? Are you seeing more interest? Yeah.、Uh, yeah. So happy, to, happy that yeah, many bartenders loved Ichiko Saiten, the higher ABB one. Also, yeah, it's a totally new, new category for them. So they love, they love to use、uh, our shochu in the cocktail. So actually,、uh, last year, Tales of Cocktail, they chose the top 10 new,、uh, best new spirit、uh, for Ichiko Saiten. So it was really great for us. It's a first time. Asian Spirits got that award from Tales of Cocktail. Oh, wow. So, wow. First, time, first time an Asian Spirit got a Tales of the Cocktail nod、uh, for, for Best New. That's incredible. Yes. Yes. That's, that's super great.、Uh, yeah, this is what exactly I want to do that. Yeah, to introduce Shochu in a, a bar mix, mixology scene. Yeah. I mean, that's,、uh, that's, that's how you crack the egg on, on making these omelets、uh, with, with the American public, I think, is getting it into cocktails.、Um, speaking of cocktails, let's、uh, take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. But when we come back, I want to hear about this drink that you enjoy at my favorite bar in the world, Bar Goto, right here in New、uh-huh. York City. So stand、oh, yeah. by. We'll be right back with Tetsuro from Ichiko. Guys, I just realized something pretty cool the other day. What's that, Damon? What's that?、Um, The Asho Bar Academy has been around for 10 years, and so has the Speakeasy. So we're actually、uh, we're related in that way.、Um, That's awesome. And think about this. So, whenever you go to diashobaracademy.com, there's 10 years worth of information there, right? And same with us, with the Speakeasy. I mean, we've done almost 500 episodes at this point. That's a lot of information, 10 years worth, right? Yeah, and all available in an archive that's free for both. Right, <laughs> exactly. So many similarities. Yeah.、Um, I know that like, it's probably a lot easier to navigate <laughs> the Asho Bar Academy than it is to navigate the Speakeasy back catalog. But,、uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that they're, they're both a wealth of information、uh, you know, from all the people that we've had on the show. There's been interviews with them on the Asho Bar Academy and different profiles and kind of just seminars. And there's just a wealth of information on the website. And、uh, I, it's. But it's really easy to navigate. Yeah, I think the, one of the greatest parts about the Diageo Bar Academy website is being able to sign up for the weekly newsletter.、Um, mm-hmm. it, it, they don't flood hey, you. We're, just, we're weekly too. That's right. <laughs> they don't flood you. It just comes once a week, but it keeps you up to date on what's current、uh, on the website, kind of like us, right? Each episode is the current episode. So each、uh, newsletter you get tells you what's current on the, on the website. So you don't have to just sift and dig, you can stay current. But then when you have your downtime, you can just go kind of archiving and 
spelunking yeah. and finding information that you want to want to find about i don't know i know you love that uh, that cocktail calculator that's a pretty great tool and again it's for free I love it. the, the yeah. barrier for entry is what appeals to me the most about the agile bar academy it's um you know a reputable company that's been around for a long time uh, they've spent a fair amount of energy effort and of course money to make this thing happen uh and so it is uh you know just because the, the price is free doesn't mean it's uh, uh not worth getting in there it's 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 quite a wealth of knowledge yeah, well, I mean, quite quite the opposite, in fact. You know, I mean, education isn't valuable if it's not available to everybody. Like, education only works if if, if everybody can learn, right? You know, agreed. Ri- rising tide raises all raises all boats. Well, you got to make sure that tide rises high enough to catch all those boats. And free, accessible, ten years of knowledge available twenty four seven sounds sounds like a pretty high rising tide to me. Yeah, and of course, we always talk about Tales of the Cocktail on the show. Uh, you know, always a bridesmaid, never the bride. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, this year, Diageo Bar Academy is the marquee sponsor for Tales of the Cocktail, which is happening soon, September 20th to the 23rd, uh, both uh, in person and online. Uh, and you can catch all of that. Uh, you can watch this year's Spirited Awards at DiageoBarAcademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com in addition to all this wealth of knowledge you can kind of participate and be a part of Tales of the Cocktail this year so that's another layer The Speakeasy and Diageo Bar Academy Spiritual Twins since 2011 (laughs) Uh, Twins we love them on this show anyways (laughs) check them out very creepy Uh, but yeah check them out for lots of great resources today and tell them we sent you And we are back. You are listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. Joining us today, we have Tetsuro Miyazaki of Ishiko Sochu, who uh, was just telling us about the strategy that he had to invent from the ground up to get uh, Shochu into the hands of Americans and kind of get them to uh, comprehend this this, uh, spirit that is, you know, lower ABV, which we're not necessarily used to, is drank with meals that we're not necessarily used to. And so how to get this thing, which is rich, uh, has a rich history and is very, very popular and extremely delicious into the hands of some people that are, uh, as, as a country, tend to be very skeptical and not particularly adventurous sometimes. Uh, but it seems like you've done uh, some really, really good work in making that progress because there is now a cocktail on at a bar that we hear about from Souther all the time, Bar Goto. <laughs> Ted, Ted Soto, you're also a big fan of this cocktail. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. Koji-san, uh, yeah, Bagoto is serve, now, I think, serving two cocktails with Ichigo Saiten. And then, yeah, I just we launched Ichigo Saiten, uh, Kenta Goto, uh, the owner of Bagoto. Uh, he created Koji-san uh, for uh, a BCB Brooklyn. And then, yeah, he put that cocktail in the menu. It, that one is, uh, I, I believe, uh, Ichigo Saiten and the mezcal and the celery in it, I think. So, yeah, it, it's very refreshing. And then I think that's the best cocktail uh, to me uh, for Ichigo Shochu. I think that sounds crazy delicious. Um, yeah. The uh, sort of savory notes uh, combined with some, you know, sort of earthy, slaty, smoky notes and celery. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Koji-san, does that, does that mean anything or is that just uh, the name of the cocktail? Oh, yeah. Koji-san is a, has a two, two meanings. Koji, one is a koji, our uh, koji mold for shochu creators. Of course. Also, Koji-san, koji is a very common guy's name uh, in Japan. 
Hmm. So it's a best best naming as well. Cool. So it's kind of like the drink for the everyman. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it sounds <laughs> freaking delicious. Honestly, uh, I kind of want to get over there and get one today. Maybe I'll swing do it. By. Why maybe, not? Maybe I'll swing by. Uh, <laughs> my for, I, worked, for, I worked with a guy named Koji at that first bar. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming back. <laughs> yeah, and I called him Koji's name all the time. Yeah, it all circles back. Well, so Tetsuro, I, I got to ask because, yeah. you know, you, you'd said that there is this culture in Japan of drinking shochu with, with meals, but we are not, as you mentioned, a country that really does that. So you've had to mm-hmm. kind of adjust your playbook a little bit to get yes. shochu into the glasses of Americans. Yeah. And I sort of want to ask, is there, what is the, what is the scenario in which you kick back with a highball and just say, ah, I, I did it. Is it one where we're drinking, you know, shochu, uh, you know, you have, when you sit down at a nice menu at a nice restaurant, you have like, you know, your wine menu and your shochu menu. And it is a spirit that we all, you know, as a nation embrace with our meals, or is it one where we appreciate this different aspect of this, category of this spirit that you've sort of had to invent on the fly or or is it both what would what's the scenario that's going to put the biggest smile on your face yes uh yeah there, i i believe there there is two ways uh, to introduce shochu culture into the u.s one is a traditional way uh, which is from japanese restaurant so shochu with me but uh, the second way is uh, uh from bartenders uh and then uh my 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 dream uh, is to put shochu bottle on the shelf uh, behind the bar. So yeah, that's my that's my goal. And then we want to our corporate culture, our corporate philosophy is uh, to make shochu as a worldwide spirit, like vodka, gin, tequila, mezcal. Uh, if shochu recognized uh, by all bartenders in the world, that would be awesome. And then. Yeah, we want to do that. You know, my favorite, one of my favorite places to go and have shochu is, I'm sure you've been there before, Tetsuro. Um, It's out in Fairfax. It's called Village Sake. It's a small restaurant. It's Michelin Uh star. um, And they have, they just built, during the pandemic, actually, uh, next Uh door, and it's kind of a shared doorway between the two of them, there's a little shochu bar there oh, now really? yeah oh, and wow. so when i go there um with my family uh every we try to go there like once a month now but we used to go like every friday night <laughs> like we had like a standing reservation oh, but wow. they i would always get an ichigo on the rocks mm-hmm. and, and a hitachino <laughs> oh nice yeah that's, that's you know <laughs> yeah the red rice one you know yes. that's that's my Ooh, favorite beer. yeah yeah i gotta say i mean like i like that that has that really gets me going. That that mm-hmm. like combo is perfect because you get the spiciness over here from the red rice, the kind of richness, and then you've got the cleanliness of the shochu on the rocks, and then we just have a shit ton of food. And it's like, and they, they just keep them coming. You know, the the wait staff just keeps it coming, and I I always just feel great. I mean, that mm-hmm. combo, and I don't even drink beer that much anymore. Um, but like that combo, it, I just feel perfectly balanced with that combo and I ne- I'm never hung over I'm not telling the audience that it's guaranteed that you won't have a hangover um, but <laughs> yes. I can't say that 
for legal reasons, but yeah, it it I always feel like uplifted. I think anytime I drink shochu, just in general, I just feel like I don't know. I hate to say this, but I feel healthier. You know, it's just just a lot. Do you cleaner. feel great? Because Ichiko apparently translates to mean great in English. <laughs> I do feel uh, great. Yeah, Ichiko. Yeah, <laughs> you feel great. <laughs> yeah, it's, Ichiko means it's good in local dialect. It's good. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. After drinking shochu, everybody say uh, in Japan, in Japan culture, but uh, everybody say after drinking shochu, no hangover. Yeah, and also yeah. like if you think about it culturally uh, in another way, think about like whenever you go to like like Sammy's Romanian in New York City, right? And, and, like mm-hmm. you're talking a completely different culture, but you've got a frozen bottle of vodka on the table and that's all you drink the entire time. Like you, yeah. you're drinking it through the meal, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think there's a nice little kind of like parallel there as far as like cultures go. Of course. Well, I think it it's, uh, it makes the meal longer because you stretch it out because you're enjoying the time at the table. You know, you're not just trying to eat and be done with it. Uh, Plus, you know, eating and drinking at the same time is going to slow down the effects of alcohol, lower ABV. It just, I don't know. I think it all, I'm curious, as much as Americans like to proclaim that they like to drink, how we've never really tapped into the drinking through the meal um, uh, style of, uh, I don't know, enjoying. I spirits, that is. Yeah, exactly, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it seems strange to me. Well, I mean, we've, we like, yeah, we're, we're the we're the weird ones, man. It's not and we're like, the young ones, man. We're too yeah. young, as far as we're, the rest of the world is concerned. We're, we're, we're young, still in, young our, and dumb. Our, in our infancy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask this though, uh, um, uh, Tetsuro. Yes. Um, is there any sort of like a DOC? Like you mentioned mezcal and you mentioned scotch. Um, you know, and uh, um, you know those have like areas of production that are limited, right? Uh, um, is there yes. such a thing with with sochu? I think there is no regulation, uh, area regulation. So, yeah. Uh, in fact, I think there are some distillery in the U.S. Uh, which which is making shochu. Oh, I didn't know that at yeah. all. Yeah. For example, San Francisco Saint George Saint George dis- distillery, they have shochu as well. Yeah, but they're breaking really? all the rules. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of St. George is breaking all the rules. That's their, yeah, that's their MO. <laughs> but, okay, so there's no designated uh, legal b- parameters, but most of the sochu comes coming from the su- most southernmost part of, of the island of Japan, right? Yes, it's called Kyushu Island. So, yeah, over 90% of sochu is made in that island. Yes, exactly. Okay, so maybe yeah. I was confused. If that amount is made there, I thought maybe that's where the only place it can be made, but it can be made anywhere. It's just that's, the, that's kind of the best spot. Like it was mm-hmm. like the Kentucky. Of yeah, exactly. Japan. Sure. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I believe so too. Or some local spirit like mezcal as well. Uh, uh, we we need something culture, uh, culture also tradition, and then yeah, definitely probably made in Japan. So too made in Japan would be the best. Yeah. Yeah. I man, I I wish i like i actually don't have to run to work after the show today and i wish i had a bottle of ichigo right here right now so <laughs> i mean you know it. go out and it's, it's early for you go out and get some and then have it have it throughout your lunch i you know i thought about like running the whole foods and grabbing a bottle real quick before the show but i guess i could have done that today dang Oops. wow whole foods out there sells booze yeah different world, different world buddy different world 
It's yeah, and then I can walk to mine. It's like yeah, but they have Ichigo uh, <laughs> at Belfast. Um, wow. Yeah. So, tell me, tell us a little bit more about what you've got going on. Like you've got the new product, the Satan. Um, like that's fresh. That's what's been t- you know kind of like taking up like most of your attention lately. And you just were at BCB. Yeah. Like, what is I just kind of? I want to talk about like the business strategy mm-hmm. a little bit. I know we're kind of doing this backwards. Usually, we talk about this um, in the beginning of the show. But what is like? What's your kind of strategy right now with like COVID, like still being very much thing, and like promotions are kind of, you know, we can't really like necessarily throw big parties at tales of the cocktail and all that stuff. I mean, has has it been? I mean, I know that like. You live in San Francisco, right? I mean, are yes. you, it seems like a really important, to me at least living here as well, it seems like a very important city to be working on for getting promotions. You know, like everyone always yeah. focuses on New York and LA, right? Yes. But right. there's a huge Japanese culture in San Francisco and just wondering like how how much are you out there in the, uh, in the market, as we say? Oh, how, how, how much? Uh, actually, I, I'm a, I'm a only person from Ichigo in the U.S. So oh, I wow. usually, yeah, I usually travel a lot. Uh, actually, 2019 before COVID, I traveled over 220 days uh, per year. Uh, in Holy 2019. crap! You're like a touring yeah. rock star. Now, yeah. I was gonna say that's more than Rolling Stones. <laughs> no, no, just education, and then I I did presentation to distributors, bartenders, but uh, our focus uh, is uh, differently top mixologists because they are the uh, best knowledge person for distilled spirit. So I yeah I researched who is the key person, who is the best bar, and then I I yeah I visit visited and then some of my bartender friends in San Francisco introduced me uh, their friend in each area and then I explained the show to and then yeah it was great so last year Tales of Cocktail top 10 bartenders uh, eight eight bartenders in the top 10 is carrying each go show too nice so yeah I believe uh, they 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 are the best speaker. Bartender is the best speaker yeah. for new spirit. I mean, because a, a gen- general, especially you know, bartenders are uh, you know, people like to know what the bartenders are drinking and like yeah. you know what they like. And mm-hmm. I can tell you that you know, mm-hmm. that's that was actually that was totally my strategy too. When working with Brooklyn Gin, I was mm-hmm. I was always just like, all right, let's talk to the bartenders. But you know what? Yes. I'll, I'll give you a little pointer. Uh-huh. I, I just thought of this because we were talking about food. Uh-huh. One of the strategies that I had whenever I'd go visit accounts uh-huh. would, would, as a brand that. ambassador, I would always, I would invite obviously the bar manager and the head bartender uh-huh. or whatever, but I always invite the chef too. Yeah. So I, when I would set up nice. a tasting, I would invite the chef because they never yes. get invited to the tastings. And guess what? Chefs really like to drink a lot, and they like to use spirits and wine and in, in, in their food and their cooking. But then also, yeah. what I think a lot of people don't realize, uh, even at you know at cocktail bars that that you know have a food program, a lot of times the chef is a partner. You know, mm-hmm. um, so you're kind of like 
kind of leaving leaving them out of a you know a big big part of the decision making process. And I swear, every time I invited a chef to the tasting, even if the bar <laughs> even if the bar manager didn't like the spirit, it would be they would buy it because the chef wanted to bring it on, and no one ever has a chef. So to me, there's that connection with food, which I mean, I think. I can speak on behalf of all three of us here on the show that, I mean, we're as much about food as we are about drinks, sometimes maybe a little bit more, um, that, you know, especially with something like Ichigo that you're going to drink through the meal. It's Mm -hmm. like, I would be talking to the top chefs too, if you haven't already. Yes. Yes. And there's some good ones in San Francisco, for sure. Yeah, there are. Uh, and in every city, uh, you know, I think, uh, Damon's, Damon's definitely right there. Uh, having filled both those roles. Um, if I were invited out to the front when, when I was in the back of the house, uh, to, to taste something, especially something that's got such a, first of all, cultural history. And second of all, as, as we've mentioned over and over that something you do drink throughout the meal. Um, but then thirdly, that has such a savory aspect itself. You know, the, the spirit itself has some, so much, uh, like you said, umami quality, uh, you know, definitely speaks to the, to the chef in me as well. Um, so I could certainly see using that as a strategy, you know, uh, if the bartender is the person who's going to influence the consumer, the chef is someone who can influence the bartender, right? So you're you're stepping back even Mm -hmm. one more layer. Yeah. We often pair our cocktails with the food and vice versa, you know, so it's, uh, God, now I'm hungry too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This day's accelerating. accelerating. I see a very exciting trip to Whole Foods in Damon's future. Well, speaking of, speaking of trips, Tetsuro, uh, you were just here for BCB. Didn't get to meet you then. Um, when And you travel 220 days a year. Jesus. Uh, when do you think you'll be back in New York City? Because I would be very game to host you at one of my bars and do a, a tasting for um, – you know, all my teams and, and every time we do a tasting at my at my place, we invite uh, we invite local bars as well. I always invite, invite the team from Bar Goto because they're just around the corner um, and subject and August Laura and other bars that are around me. When, when's the next time you're going to be out in New York City? Oh, probably in two weeks. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I travel a lot. So probably once a month I go to New York. So, yeah, I, it's great. I want to yeah meet oh. you and uh, visit some bars. Oh yeah, man. Well, when you're here, uh, definitely want to hook up with you and talk about having a tasting done because I'm quite interested in getting some of this stuff. It seems right in line with what I do: savory, mm-hmm. umami, forward flavors that can be made into delicious cocktails. And um, especially having talked about the drink that's on the menu at Bargoto with the mezcal and, and the fact that I just opened a mezcal and tequila bar, it's uh, seemingly this product is right up my alley, and I want to get some in my hands. Yeah. Also, I I want to move to New York uh, from uh, no next next year. Early next year, I'm gonna oh, cool. move. Yeah, from San Francisco to New York. So yeah, that'll t- be great. Time to leave. You know, there's an old saying in America: uh, "Live in San Francisco, but leave before it makes you soft. Live in mm-hmm. New York, but leave before <laughs> it makes you hard." Yeah. <laughs> so, you're, so you're getting too soft. You got to come to New York and start getting hard again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Whoa. <laughs> Easy, pal. Uh, yeah. Well. Um, Speaking of like finding it for your bar, where can we find information on this? What's the uh, the website and how can we get a hold of you? Oh, yeah. Ichiko, Ichiko.com. Okay. Yes. So there are, uh, we introduced on our website our history and then products and then store locator and then some cocktail recipes as well. Great. Uh, Is Koji san on there? Uh, Koji-san, no. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it, it, it's Kenta's, yeah, special yeah. cocktail. But soon. Uh, by the way, that's Ichiko. It's two I's. I-I-C-H-I-K-O.com. Yes. That's where you're going to find them. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's 
I I C H I K O underscore USA for Instagram. So you can follow along. Oh, with yes. that's, so oh thank you. Follow along yes. with, with everything that's going on uh, with Ichiko. Um, yeah, man. So I guess uh, the, the 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 only question left is kind of like what's what's next? You know, now that you've you know cracked into uh, you've got that tails nod. Now that you're behind all these bars. Now that you got all these you know. <clears throat> Top ten bartenders carrying your product. What's what's the uh, at the risk of giving away the entire corporate strategy here on our humble little podcast? Mm-hmm. What's what's next for you, Tetsuro? Yeah, uh, so we want to be a pioneer uh, to expand shochu culture, and then hopefully other shochu company and then many players will join in our market. That would make a shochu category, and then yeah, I believe so. So we want to perform. Uh, as a pioneer in the bar industry in the U.S., and then other other shochu company will follow us. That would be great to make our shochu category bigger. So, you, yeah. I mean, I think you kind of already are a pioneer. You already you know? are, yeah. Like, you're already over here really, you know, thrashing around in the bushes and getting people to take notice. Um, and you're saying you, you want other shochus to follow along so that we, we can have a, a broader scope of that here in America? Yeah, I mean that's exactly what happened with Mezcal, right? We we had a very mm-hmm. slow yes. trickle at first, just a few mm-hmm. brands that were available. We finally could get our hands on something of quality. Uh, suddenly, mm-hmm. the category is boosted as a whole. High tide raises yes. all boats. Yes, very cool. Well, this has been a lot of fun today. Mm-hmm. I, I oh. certainly have learned quite a bit about uh, the spirit that I've already loved for a very long time. And uh, before you move, be sure to uh, hit me up so we can go to Village Sake together. Oh yes, All yes, right. <laughs> please. Cool. Yeah, right. You well, guys aren't aren't that far away from each other over there compared no. to us. Uh, but uh, but uh, of course, also really want to hook up with you when you come out to New York City next and and plan mm-hmm. a, um, an opportunity to do a tasting with uh, my team and all the local teams around me in the East Village and and get so yeah. on some bars in the East Village. Yeah, hit, yeah. hit Damon up before you move. Hit me and Souther up after you move. We'll go to Bar <laughs> Hotel and hang out. There you go. <laughs> yes, that sounds awesome. Awesome. Well, cool. Thanks again for being on today. Um, on uh, one other thing that I wanted to say is that um, Souther, I, like I really miss going with you to Bargoto and meeting up with you on Sundays. Yeah, like that, too. that was always like a blast whenever I was living there. So uh, hopefully, we can all, all four of us, can hook up together in New York City. Um, so that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check out Heritage Radio Network for many more program programs like this one click on the beating heart to donate to the station until next week come by come by come Cheers by everybody. Bye. thank you very much thank you so you don't shun the devil with your rock the speakeasy is powered by simplecast thanks for listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at Facebook.com forward slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fair, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.